Hi, this is Karis, and welcome to the Launch School Podcast. I have Chris here with me. Hi, Chris. How's it going? Hey, great. Excited for episode two of uh, yeah. of the latest season, season four now, I think. I'm losing track, but yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> excited to have another conversation here. Yes, I'm excited about this one too. So in today's episode, we have a lot to cover. So here's the rundown. So first off, we have some current events at Launch School. Uh, We'll be looking at Felicia's latest interviews with yourself, Chris, and Carolina. Then we'll be looking at the Women's Group First Employer Speaker Series. And next, we'll move on to Rodney's Tech Talk on Gatsby.js. And for the first time, we'll be answering your questions on air. It's a brand new segment. Then I'll be catching up with our previous host, our other one from last season, Mandy, in a one-on-one interview. And last but not least, there is some quick reminders, so some upcoming events that you should be aware of. And of course, everything that Chris and I discussed today can be found in the show notes. And with that said, let's dive into our first current event on the list, which is Felicia's interviews. So for those that didn't tune in last time, Felicia is a YouTube video blogger who discusses her personal journey through Launch School and interviews other Launch School students, but also you, Chris, along the way. She actually recently caught up with you not too long ago, and I haven't seen this one. So how was it? Yeah, it was awesome. And it's funny that we're calling her a YouTube video blogger because she she's uh she's about to she's gonna do capstone. She's gonna be a software engineer very soon here. So yeah. <laughs> uh temporary YouTube video blogger. But uh, yeah, it was an amazing experience. I've known Felicia for a very long time and she's a great interviewer. Uh, and I, you know, make time to watch all her videos. I felt like I said everything I know about coding education that I've learned in the past 10 years. Uh, running launch school and participating in this learn to code career transition industry. And a lot of the conversation collides with some of the topics I wanted to maybe talk about here on the podcast eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's okay. In the end, I think it's always good to sort of spread the word about launch school, about how we operate, how I think about things. And I think a lot of these perspectives are unique in how we engage with students and how we think about learning and programming and software engineering. Right. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't mind being repetitive. I feel like I've just been repeating myself for the past five years, frankly, but I'm um, uh, happy to, you know, share my thoughts. And, you know, I enjoyed it so much that really I think the next podcast episode would basically be the audio uh, recording of that interview and mm-hmm. already got permission from Felicia who, who, uh, who graciously agreed. So, um, I mean, if you can't wait for the next episode, definitely check it out on YouTube now. If you don't mm-hmm. want to do that, then you can just wait for the next podcast episode. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. A little, just one final backstory about that interview. It, it took us almost three hours for that recording. And I think the final video ended up being just over two hours, but I was standing the entire time on my standing desk. And towards the end, I, I just couldn't stand anymore. So I was like wobbling around and in the video, you can see me kind of wobble around, make funny facial gestures. So if you notice that, that's why um, I have a funny background. Oh, <laughs> so I, I'm I mean, sitting down now. <laughs> right. Fair enough. But I mean, I think that everything that you have to say, it's usually like really solid, lots of great advice. And what students are really looking for is just to hear your feedback. So I think that's not a problem. <laughs> it's good that students graduate because I bet you the capsule alumni are probably like, rolling their eyes whenever they hear me say something because it's you know the fifth time they've heard it but it, yeah you're right I I always get a lot of positive feedback mm. whenever we do like a ad hoc office session office hours 
uh, or the podcast, people are saying, hey, that's a really interesting point, even though I feel like that's the 20th time I've said it. Right. Um, So yeah, I'm happy to just be repetitive. And uh, but you know, we're consistent, right? We're not like wildly changing, pivoting to like a different thing. We've been pretty consistent. And the changes have been tweaks to try to arrive at that uh, consistent goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really appreciate your insights on how it was going with Felicia and the whole interview. So thanks for sharing. And Felicia actually also caught up with Carolina, who is the co-host of the women's group and a senior buddy of the Button program. So I was wondering, Chris, what was your take on that interview? Yeah, I've also known Carolina for a long time. And listening to that interview was just so surprising because there were so many details about her life, her background that I didn't know. And it just shows that I think we need to do more of these things, more opportunities that allow people to share their stories, at least for those who Mm -hmm. want to. And, you know, sometimes people finish core without my even knowing their name, which is totally fine. But I feel like a lot of value is just, you know, setting up opportunities for people to share, just like. Felicia yeah. did for all the all the people that she's interviewed. So this is another one of those things where Carolina, very familiar name to me, known her for a long time, and still just really, really nice to get to know her as a as you know the person behind everything. So um, I also think it's a indication that real friendships can form mm-hmm. in our curriculum, which is mastery based, which is asynchronous, yeah, and it's online, right? These. These two things combined just make it feel like it's really hard to make friends. And I think it is hard, but yeah, they friendships can form and they do form. Yes. So, you know, slow learning is fast in the long run. We've are, you know, always said that and it can allow room for mastery. Yeah. But, you know, now we're trying to find ways to also allow room for community, mm-hmm. you know, and, and human mm-hmm. connection building. And I, I think that's the part that always surprises me because when we, you know, first thought about launch school and all that, didn't did not didn't really think about this part of it, which yeah. frankly is actually really, really important. <laughs> it is. I fully agree. So what I really love about this interview is that Carolina, she does this personal discussion into her backstory and and what was like navigating as a student during the pandemic. And Felicia mentions this as the human side of launch school that people don't normally get to see from the outside. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I I think also there's a sense of when you talk to people and you see their story and you see their progress, there's also a sense of like, okay, you know, you can do it too and I can do it too Mm -hmm. and we can do it together. Mm -hmm. And it's more collaborative, less competitive. Yes. And and I think in our curriculum, there's no, well, I shouldn't say no competition, but, um, you know, in a lot of classes, tests are graded on a curve. Mm-hmm. And so there is a very competitive aspect to your peers. You don't, yeah. you know, sometimes someone sets the curve and you don't, <laughs> you don't want that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, here, our assessments are stuck the way they are. Right. Yeah. Um, I think I talked about the last episode. It's from the capstone graduates and interviews. And, and so I think it allow for a very collaborative environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem with our program is you got to go find them. <laughs> right. You yeah. Got to go talk to them. Yes, for sure. And it's places like the women's group and and other groups in our community that creates these really nice friendships. And I can just see the value that it brought them. And I just really love how how Carolina and Felicia, they've been supported by others at launch school and they cheered each other on before, during and after assessments, even when they hadn't actually met yet. So I thought that was really mm. cool. <laughs> yeah. So I think as well, when it comes to like mastery-based learning, 
when you're repeatedly exposed to your own success in a very difficult learning environment and you prove it to yourself time and time again, because they mentioned confidence right at the end. And by passing an assessment or solving like a really hard problem, you just can't help but gain that confidence in yourself. And I think that's what they both uh, discovered. So that was uh, yeah. something interesting. Confidence is the name of the game um, because <laughs> people are always talking about these high salaries in, mm-hmm. in tech. These high salaries come from solving problems that Mm. perhaps nobody on your team has ever solved before. Yeah. So in order to take on a problem like that, that you really haven't seen before, (laughs) seems kind of familiar, right? can't be completely foreign, but seems kind of familiar, but you you don't have direct exposure to it. You need to have the confidence to go and tackle it. Where do you get that confidence, right? It all comes from the previous problems that you've solved before. You're like, I have kind of solved another problem that's shaped like this, although not exactly like this. I can go take this one apart too. Yeah. And I think that's that's the key thing that allows people to start to deconstruct, deconstruct problems instead of just like, oh man, that's way too complicated. That's too uh, vague. I, I have to walk away from it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. Thanks for uh discussing confidence. It's it's really important. So speaking of Carolina, she is also the co-host of the Launch School Women's Group along with Leah, and they presented their first employer speaker series. It was a live event with their first guests, the senior and director engineer managers at Mozilla and the director of recruiting at Gatsby. I just wanted to know what was your take on that event, Chris? Fabulous. I mean, it is... <laughs> Absolutely amazing, right? We have all these amazing things happening, and this is yet another one where, you know, law school, frankly, is starting to catch eye employers. Um, we get our pitch to prospective students is actually quite difficult, mm-hmm. right? Learn from the from a bottom up, take years, take a long time, learn well, memorize things. I mean, that's a hard pitch to people when the competing pitches do this in three months. Yeah, yeah, right. So why make that pitch? Who who likes that pitch? Employers. Employers mm-hmm. like that pitch. Right? Yes. So, so um, this is why, you know, senior director of engineering at Mozilla, right? Director of recruiting at Gatsby and companies like that want to engage with Launchpool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were gracious enough to come and talk. I mean, the video itself is not really uh, directly related to Launchpool. They didn't ask any direct questions about Launchpool. It's, yeah. it's more about women in tech. And these are established women who yes. have proven themselves. And so they, there's a lot of great wisdom here. So I think it's, it's a video that's applicable for, for everybody. Absolutely. I really love this panel because how insightful these women in senior tech roles are. I just really love their energy and their passion for their work. It was infectious. I, I kind of wish that I was a part of the conversation. It was just so cool. And I just felt the advice that they had, it wasn't just for women, but pretty much anybody who wanted to land a great tech job, who wants to know more about what seniors look for in candidates. And I just liked their insights very much. They were very actionable. You know, we we don't like coordinate anything and you can see how what they're looking for matches what we produce, mm-hmm. right? Sort of like people who are good at problem solving, no fundamentals. And I, and this is how LaunchGold came to be, is if you talk to a lot of senior established software engineers, right? They're going to say these things that we say in launch school. And I hear that a lot in terms of people like, oh my gosh, what a coincidence. I'm like, it's not a coincidence. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, I actually think the confusing part is when, 
when people kind of newer to tech are giving advice mm-hmm. and sometimes that doesn't match up with ours, right? Like I saw a, a thread on Reddit the other day that somebody was like, hey, you really should take time to like learn stuff well. Mm-hmm. Like for, and he just gave an example where I shouldn't say he, he or she, this, this uh, author said, uh, you should really learn things well. And for example, take two weeks to learn regex. Mm-hmm. I didn't sense any, nothing controversial in my mind, but about half the comments we're like, no way, that's way too long. And the other half are like, yes, that's good advice. Right? Yeah, for sure. A little bit of blind leading the blind there, you know? Um, <laughs> it, I mean, taking two weeks to learn regex, what, that, that, that's too long? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Um, so anyway, you know, if you're here at Launch School, you're obviously, uh, you know, on, on one side of this uh, debate, if you want to call it. But the more senior people you talk to, like if you ask Patricia, mm-hmm. Hey, Patricia, <laughs> if somebody took two weeks to learn regex, is, is that way too long? You know, she's been in this for 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's the right thing to do, right? Yeah. You're, you're going to be here yeah, for a while. For sure. So uh, speaking of Patricia, she is the senior engineer and manager at Mozilla. And she mentions how soft skills are actually hard skills because not everybody has them and that they're very hard to come by and it's very difficult to master. So things like resilience to get back up again, the ability to reach out to somebody and have a discussion, speaking out when you don't feel that something is right and asking questions. Would you would you agree that they're hard skills? Yeah. Th- and these are things that are impossible to like teach, like create yeah. a curriculum for, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, the best way to learn this is by participating in a community where there's a culture of this. And this is one biological, I keep going back to this. It's that, you know, there's one thing we teach, which is like, learn your variable scoping rules, learn the difference between a ray and a hash. Okay, great. But yeah, what about these other skills? Yeah. What about the perseverance? to get back mm-hmm. up, you know, when things are not easy for you. Mm-hmm. I imagine that you would be having that perseverance every time, say you get a not yet on your assessment, that you would have to keep going. Um, yeah. But if you're doing it by yourself, how you have to muster up the energy yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And again, this is where the community, the culture comes into play. Nobody judges you if you get a not yet. Yeah. Nobody judges you. Everybody picks you back up. Everybody yes. wants you to pass, including us we're not you know we don't have an antagonistic relationship here we're not trying to get you to not pass we're trying to get you to pass but i know what happens after you pass right mm-hmm. like i see I, i'm i'm on the other side of the fence i see what's over here <laughs> it's not that you know you let you pass and everything's good you know yeah. it's, it's just more of the same yeah and so getting establishing those those the professionalism the perseverance the desire to unpack things, to deconstruct things, the quality standards, right? Mm-hmm. Where do you get these things? It, it, I think it's very hard to teach. You have to look around. It's an environment, right? Yes. It's, it's the ambiance of, yes. uh, of a school. This is where you learn it, I think, right? And this is, you, you've got to soak in the, the ambiance. You've got to soak in the community. Mm-hmm. And if you have been at Launch School, then you're, you're going to get those things that Patricia's talking about as, as yeah. the hard skills. Yeah. Something that actually also stood out to me was what Mare said, and it reminded me of what you were just talking about. She's actually the director of engineering at Mozilla, and she makes a comment about interviews in general for the candidates. And it's not about emphasizing how many languages you know. It's more about how well you can solve a problem. 
and the personality and the traits that you possess about being humble and being respectful. Would you agree with that one too? Yeah. I mean, doesn't that mesh with with everything we talk about? I've never spoken to Mayor before. I just found um, that so interesting that you also talk about these things too. Yeah. I've never spoken to Mayor. I I didn't even exchange emails with her, you know? Uh, So it's, this is, this is, you know, when you get the more senior you get, the, this is what people look for, mm. right? Problem solvers, humble, professional, don't give up, great communicator. You know, all these things we, we try to expose you to early. Definitely, definitely. And she also just mentions right at the end that some of the best interviews that she's had are conversations and to not be afraid to have a discussion and ask a question in return. Um, and I, I mean, I agree with that because imagine if you're having these really great conversations with people and they'll never forget you. It just reminds me of that really great quote from Maya Angelou who says that people will forget what you said and what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And I just really liked how she brought that up and um, conversations are really important. And I've had so many of them here at launch schools. Yeah. That's, I use that quote all the time. I actually did not know it was from her. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I actually say it all the time and, and during the job hunt, you know, I always say number one piece of advice for interviews, mm-hmm. be positive. Yeah. Because you're going to change the feeling of the interview. Yes. And yeah. even when, like I've seen lots of people literally crash and burn on technical questions and still pass. And if you think about it, what was the point of that interview? If you can crash and burn on the only technical question they asked you and still pass, well, they want to get a feel for Mm. you. Right. right? So it's not just a quiz. And so being positive is, is uh, the absolute key to passing interviews, but also just, you know, having, having good professional work experience with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And creating, creating that really good rapport. So um, yeah. Great. We actually had another great presentation to watch this episode, and that was Rodney's talk on working at Gatsby. He is a Capstone alumni, for those who don't know him. And what I learned from his presentation is that Gatsby is two things, and I hope I don't get this wrong. But number one, it is an open source framework for static and dynamic site generation. And two, it is a company that offers support and hosting for those that want to build with the Gatsby JS framework. And that's where Rodney currently works. So he is quite the storyteller, and I really enjoyed this one. He had this integrated approach to learning about what Gatsby is from a historical point of view and where it fits on the timeline of the history of the internet and why it exists. And he puts this really good question forward about why are students from launch school valuable to companies like Gatsby? And he mentions three things that stood out to me, which is number one, mastery-based learning, so mastering the fundamentals. Uh, two, the skill of just-in-time learning. So he says that he is now able to pick up any front-end framework pretty easily uh, with enough time, of course. And lastly, that launch school gives you problems that is tackled in companies like Gatsby. So some of his everyday problems that he tackles is very similar <laughs> to the ones that he's learned at launch school. Uh, what did you think about this one, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. Um, I've spoken to a lot of the Gatsby leadership and they love what we're doing at Launch School. And I think mm-hmm. it's one of those things where when I talk to people about why why do this the long way, right? Why yeah. do it the slow way? Sometimes if you take a shortcut and you build a quote unquote portfolio piece and you go on the job market and you go to a company like Gatsby, what you're saying is, look what I can build on my own 
Imagine if I had some mentoring. Imagine if I had some real software engineers giving me mentoring. Imagine what I can build. And you're asking them to kind of bridge that gap. You're saying on your own, you did this thing, but with some structure and some mentoring, and by the way, a salary, you can do a lot more. Right. What we're doing after after Capstone, Core and Capstone is, look what we did already. It is basically the same level of technical complexity that you're working on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Many of your projects, right? So they they have a wide spectrum of uh, technical complexity and uh, we're reaching a good percentage of them. Yes. So of course you still need to do just in time learning. You need to learn on the job to tackle some of the more, more complex projects at work, but you know, we're driving people to a place where they're going to employers and they don't have to ask for mm-hmm. them to imagine bridging this mm-hmm. wide gap between what I did and what I could do. Right. Instead, they're saying, logical grads that is, they're saying, I did this and it's it overlaps with many of your projects. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's that's pretty powerful. And especially like for career transitioners to go from never knowing software engineering. Um, because I believe that Rodney was a teacher prior to, to mm-hmm. law school. Yeah. And then suddenly that huge transition and saying, I can do this. I know this. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. And it took years. It took, I think it took a couple of years, you know, it didn't take two months, it didn't no. take three months, no. but it took two years. So, you know, that's what I mean. It takes a bit longer, but the payoff is, is that, yeah, you're operating at a certain place, right? Yeah, definitely. He mentions right at the end in his Q and A that somebody asked him, Uh, what was something that you could have done differently as a student at launch school? And he said it was to build more projects and that he was glad that now 185 has an assessment, which is RB189 and JS189. So Chris, could you tell us a little bit more about those um, assessments? Okay. That's interesting. I think we talked about the last time a little bit, but I'll get into more detail on it and why. And definitely it's, as Ronnie mentioned, is it's Mm. forcing people to build and uh, use all the atomic skills they've established in a bottom up way, yes. use it now in a top down way by building something. Yes. Right. So you need, you need a little bit of both. Um, and so uh, we, and by the way, we've always had like an optional project, but it was optional. Now mm-hmm. it's just not optional. So it's not like uh, we're, we're totally changing things or anything like that. Um, it's just that now we're going to look at it <laughs> as we were creating this P and I and, uh, a couple other folks, we were debating, you know, what, what kind of guidance should we give, right? Should we be sort of like, Hey, build anything. And then we'll kind of give you a thumbs up or how should we like grade these like custom projects, right? One could be a to-do list. One could be a real estate app. One could be, you know, a social network for your cats, whatever it is, like, how do you, how do you grade them? Right. And we weren't going to grade on like UI or anything like that. Right. Mm. So what we wanted to do was ask everyone to build certain features that are in all these different types of apps. So for mm-hmm. example, pagination. Pagination is a feature where let's say you're displaying a bunch of comments. You only want to display like 10 or 20 comments per page. And if you have yeah. 200 comments, you're going to have this pagination feature where you're displaying, you know, 10 per page, right? So logical.com has this, right? We have a little uh, page numbers at the bottom where you can jump yes. to certain page numbers. Yeah. Okay. How do you build that? Mm. you have the ability to build it. You have all the knowledge. If you've gone that far, you now possess the knowledge to build it without using a library, right? That's the key. We don't want you to <laughs> go off and install something and boom, you have it. No, right. we want you to build it from scratch. How? 
if you Google it, you'll see how easy it is. It's not mm-hmm. that hard, mm-hmm. right? It's just passing some extra params in to your database. Yes. Hint, hint. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's not that hard. It, it'll take the first time that you've ever had to build this. It'll take maybe three, four hours. Mm-hmm. And, and then after that, you know, it'll be faster. You do not need to use a library. You can if you want to in the future, but you need to learn to build things like this from scratch. Another example is, suppose, have you ever had that uh, use case where you get like an email and you click on the link and yes. then your challenge or like a login challenge? And yes. So it's yeah. like, go to this page. But then you, when, you, when your browser opens up, you're, you're here with a login page. And then you log in and then it goes, it, it takes you to the page that you clicked on in your email. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I and if you that. didn't click on that email, if you just went to the login page, it would not like the post authentication page would not be that URL. Right. Right. Yes. So it's kind of a, a, a workflow. How does that work? Mm. So, so again, we want you to build that, right. Not the email piece that's irrelevant, but the piece where if someone's coming in, that's saying, Hey, I'm actually trying to get to that page, but I'm, ch- I need to be authenticated first. Yeah. And after you authenticate, it takes you to that page, mm-hmm. the destination page. So how does that work? Mm. We want you to think about it. Google it. You have the skills to build it, mm. right? So just like a small list of things like this, and we're going to expand it some more. Yeah. Um, and this is like manufacturing experience for you, right? Yeah. So if you were to build like a to-do list, you may not force yourself to like kind of build these little features unless right. you had users who would request it. Uh, but we want to start, um, I think we're trying to be modest for now. I, I, I have like a, <laughs> a pretty long list of things I want to, I want people to build, but um all of these things will help you generate experience that really cuts across all apps. Mm, right. So that actually answers my next question because I wanted to know what do you hope students will gain from this assessment? So you have some very specific requirements, but that's right. It is about gaining that whole range of experience for all apps. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I have, like, for example, build an app with time zones. Now, this is this is one that I want to add, but but they wouldn't let me add it. So I'm going to just mention on the podcast here is how do you build the time zone feature? Super easy. Mm-hmm. Or at least the simple scenario is super easy. Let's just keep the scenario simple, right? Yeah. Not that hard, but again, not install a sub-library, right? Build it from scratch. You know how. So what do I hope students get out of this? Confidence. Mm. And also just so they can see that when you need features, you can build it. You can figure it out. Most of them, the vast majority of them are not that hard. Don't reach for a library every single time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's say you want to build a, a activity stream for a user and you want to, and we have this a launch goal, right? Uh, internally <laughs> for our staff, but you can't see your own activity stream, but let's say you want to track the activity stream for a user, uh, you know, kind of the things they do, like watch a video, complete an assignment, complete an exercise, right? You just want to have that like a long activity stream. How do you build that? Not that hard. Build it from scratch. Uh, an activity stream is not not in this list, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but you know I have an endless number of these things yeah. that I think is just very very instructional when you force yourself to build it. And the crazy thing is, I want people to see how far they've come and that they can build all. It's like within their ability to do all this now. Yeah, yeah. It really does lead back to what we were talking about before that confidence when you prove it to yourself time and time again that you can do it. But you do need to see that for yourself, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Great. Thanks for that. So that wraps up those two presentations and covering the assessment. 
We now move on to our brand new segment where we answer your questions on air. So we received some questions from you last episode, and today's set of questions are surrounding the topic of core graduates. I'll just add the disclaimer here that Launch School doesn't track any analytics of the job success rates of core grads and results will vary. However, capstone graduate success is tracked and has 100% job placement rate. Now, with that said, our first question for Chris is from Anonymous, who writes, Hi, Chris, I would love to hear more about core grads who didn't do capstone. So can you say some more about that? Sure. Why is it Anonymous? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It wasn't wasn't that sensitive of a question. Yeah, this is a question that comes up a lot, right? And I think I've answered this a lot of different ways on Reddit, uh, in Slack, and and other avenues. And I think it's a good one. Uh, It's a natural one. Mm-hmm. And why does Capstone have the success? It does. It's because core is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's because core is is transformative. It's not that Capstone is transformative. I think Capstone is uh, sort of finishes things off and we get to talk about a lot of things that I wish we could talk about without core, but unfortunately we can't, right? Yeah. And so it's not surprising then that if you finish core, you're going to have success. Like, you know, that's not controversial. And I think sometimes if you don't study launch school deeply, you, you misattribute where the success happens. You think it's only in capstone, right? Core is where the transformation happens. Mm. So, like I said, I've said this a bunch of times and I have not yet heard back anybody challenge me on this, which is, I don't know of a core grad who hasn't gotten a job. Like I, I haven't. Uh, after some duration of job hunt, right? I've heard of core grads who go off and go to grad school, mm. you know, or I've heard of core grads do other things. And I would say those wouldn't count. But mm-hmm. if they are looking for a job actively, every single one who have who who did look for a programming job was able to find one mm-hmm. after, you know, six months or or so. So um, you know, the question is I will I would love to hear more about core grads who didn't do capstone. Yeah. Is that right? Yes, that is. Okay. And I think it ties into the next question, right? Which is yes. like, what kind of guidance can you give to core grads that can develop projects for their purpose, mm. uh, serving as a portfolio piece or um, or something like that, right? To get a job. Yes. Now, here's the thing. And Capstone is extremely biased in that we're going to a subset of jobs in all of tech. Yes. Capstone is going to, and therefore we know what to do. Yeah. You know, when I went to design this curriculum, and even now when we look at Capstone, we know where we're going. Yeah. We're trying to make them go to Mozilla and Gatsby and companies like that, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we know what they want. Yeah. And so for the first thing you have to do, if you say, I can't do Capstone, but I want to build a project mm. that can, I can then take to an employer. I think you want to try to avoid what I said earlier, which is, look, I have this thing. It's not quite what you guys are doing, but if you can bridge the gap, I mm. can be productive. I think you probably don't want to do that. Yeah. Right. Instead, you want to say, look, I'm doing this thing that your your company is kind of working on already. Right. And and so would you interview me? Yeah. Right. And so once you know that, you have to answer to that question, then you know what type of project to build. Right. So I imagine that they would have to do their own research about kind of looking as to what companies are currently working on. Well, they have to decide what type of company they want to target first, first yeah. off, first and foremost, right? And I think it is confusing only because you have lots of options. Yeah. If there was one choice, actually, it's easier, yeah. right? It's, it's easier. But 
after you finish core, you have lots of choices and it's more confusing because of that. So the first mm-hmm. thing you have to do is make a choice. Mm-hmm. Like we do that for capstone. We make a choice, right? right? Yeah. And so you have to make a choice and say, I want to, I mean, the biggest choice is front end or back end. Then you know what yes. to study. Right? You, yeah. say, well, you're front end. you should yeah. go do a react course or learn a react book or read a right. react book. Right. If you say it's, it's more back end, then you should not do that. Right. Yeah. And if you say, well, it's full stack, then go take a Udemy course on the Merm stack. Right. And, and you can try to build something, but the most narrow scenario will be the easiest to think about. Hmm. For example, there's this one company, this one company I'm targeting. All of a sudden, if you just say this one company, I'm targeting this one company, you know what to do. Mm. You go look at what they're working on. You go look at their open source projects. You talk to their developers and you see, what is their stack? Yeah. Oh, it's Python. Okay, well, then you better learn Python. Yes. Right? So yeah. a lot of times the, the, there's a big question mark in people's head when they finish core. They're like, what do I do? It, you know, It's almost like you're in shape or, or like getting ready for a road trip or something and going, where, where do I go? It's like, where do you want to go? And then you know what direction to drive. Um, wow. Uh, this is the first time I've actually heard it break down what Capstone is or why, why it is there. Because how can you ask all these questions when you don't yet have all of that insight knowledge or into companies and what they're looking for and, and mm-hmm. why Capstone is that streamlined process that gives you the sort of the framework to be able to answer those questions and, and do it. Um, I can yeah. see why it is so helpful now. Yeah. Like there's a whole bucket of companies that are over there, you know, that pay the salaries that we want and they require X, Y, and Z and mm-hmm. Capstone is delivering X, Y, and Z. Right. And then we're, and then we're sending our folks to, you know, that, that bucket of companies over there, which yeah. means we're not sending them to this bucket over here. Yeah. Because it would be, it, it's not even we're better. It's not better. It's it's just different. Like they, you know, they, they would not, our capstone grads would not be qualified for many, many software programming jobs mm-hmm. that pay less. Mm-hmm. They just wouldn't be qualified. Yes. Right. Because the training in capstone doesn't point them there. Right. Yeah. I could see that because I know for me, uh, capstone's always been a little bit mysterious and it's just like, okay, now I know that you get a really good job out of it. And I know that you build a really good project, but why should I why should I think about doing it? But I can see yeah, that now. I'm, I'm like, that's why I keep saying I'm not a teacher. I'm more like a guide, right? Mm. I know a path through this jungle that leads to that place over there. Yeah. First of all, you better make sure you want to go to that place over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not the right guide, right? And then, and then we can go together and I'll point you over there. I'll show you the path, but you got to walk it. You got to do it. I see. Right? I see. Yeah. So after core, I, I think the number one thing is, is to figure out where you want to go. I think a mistake that a lot of people do is they'll be like, tell me what are the resources you use for capstone? And yeah. I'm going to like do my own capstone. I'm like, that's a huge mistake because for, first of all, you know, you're not doing capstone probably because I don't know, you're in a location that th- doesn't have these types of companies. Yeah. Right. In which case you should not be trying to replicate capstone because these companies aren't around you in your country. Yes. Uh, and so you know, you, you should take a different path probably, yeah, right? Maybe yeah. it's learning some frameworks. It's like, okay, if I look around me, there's a lot of companies that are, you know, doing JavaScript, right? Like invest in that more or doing React or whatever it is, mm. right? But you have to map where you are now, very, very strong fundamentals, no framework yeah. knowledge, can go in any direction. You have to map from that place to 
a direct destination. The more direct, the better. And you have to have some preferences. And I think that's the hard part. And even in capstone, a lot of people don't have preferences. And so therefore, that's why they like capstones, because I'm giving them my preference. Yeah. <laughs> you know I'm saying you should learn this much of this and that much of that. Yeah. Right. And they say, okay, you know, that's 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 what I'll do. Yeah. And then once they hit the job market with that bucket of companies over there, it matches up well. Oh, yeah, I I can see that now. And yeah, thanks for answering all those questions. Um, So I know this week we focused on core grads, but if your question didn't get answered, don't worry, we will get around to it in future episodes. So we'll tell you more about submitting questions right at the end of this episode. But thanks for that, Chris. Yeah, sure. Our next guest is also another former Launch School TA and podcast host. She has personally helped me out when I was nervously getting ready for an interview, and I wouldn't have been so prepared without her gentle guidance and thoughtful approach to solving problems. She has been so kind and an inspiration for so many of us here at Launch School and now works at Mozilla. Wow. Let's give a big warm welcome to Mandy. Hey, Mandy, how are you? Hey, Karis, thank you for the great introduction. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since we saw each other. Last time we were talking about 2.15 and and like I wanted to know how how was your interview for 2.15 and how did you find that course? Yes, I did pass. So thank you so much. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> It's so good to hear from you. And actually, when we last heard from you, you were wrapping up season three, I believe, and that you had just begun your first week at Mozilla. So what has it been like since then? Yeah, gosh, I guess that's been a while now. Um, I've been at Mozilla for, I think, five months. Like I started on November 15th, 2021. So I think it's about five months and it's been really great. So like, a lot of it was like very familiar for me because I used to be an intern there two years ago. So when I joined uh, my team and then when I was part of like the Firefox desktop meeting, there was a lot of familiar faces and there was like just really warm welcome. <laughs> They're like, welcome back, Mandy. And I was like, hi, oh. hi. Uh, hi, everyone. <laughs> and it was just great to see like the desktop team and my uh, my previous manager, as well as like my mentor, um, at, when I was an intern at Mozilla, so right. it, it's been really great. And um, right now, um, I'm working on the uh, search team, so mm-hmm. for the Firefox browser. And my team oh. and my manager has been great; just really loving it every day. And I'm constantly learning new things every single day. And it's been challenging. Um, And also, like our team's growing too. like we've hired more people. Mm. And like two weeks ago, or was it three weeks, three weeks ago, Stephanie um, from Logical joined my team. And so (laughs) that was really exciting. I actually her onboarding buddy, and I was able to kind of help her out, like get started. And it was just nice to have someone that I've known for so long. Yeah. Uh, I launched join, join Mozilla as well. Yeah. So um, this is Stephanie. Uh, Stephanie Kanange. Uh, so she just finished yes. Capstone recently in January. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Oh, that would have been so nice to actually meet somebody from launch school and then, and for her as well to be able to be like, oh, it's Mandy. And then just to <laughs> kind of have that familiarity. Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> Yeah. 
that answers um, my next question, which was, what, what is your role at Mozilla and what do you do in your day-to-day work? Could you maybe expand, if you can, a little bit about mm-hmm. working with the, the search engine? So my team is the search and uh, Adrespar team. And so I've been mostly working on the search operation side, and that's everything to do with maintaining like search engines, adding, updating, removing search engines onto the Firefox browser. Um, Yeah. And then the address bar side. So when you open Firefox, um, you type anything on the URL bar. So that's the other part that our team's responsible for. And that connects with like bookmarks and history. And so if you're typing in um, the beginning letters of a web page, we try to give a list of results to the user. So based on where they last visited, like kind of just helping the user have a better search experience. So that's what uh, my team entails. Wow. So what is it like to be a part of that? Is it, is it like a bit surreal or, or is it just like, Oh yeah, this is everyday work. It's, it's kind of surreal, like in terms of the impact that I have, because it's like millions of people use the Firefox browser. And so the changes like I make affect millions of people like worldwide um, and their experience like on the internet. And so Mm -hmm. in that sense, it's kind of crazy to think about it. And I feel like it it just, I I really feel lucky to have this job and the impact I'm I'm making for, for people every day. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so inspiring and it's just so wonderful to hear your journey. That is so cool. So I have another question for you, just sidetracking a little bit. The Launch School Women's Group interviewed most recently Patricia Lawless and Mayor Revy, who are the Senior and Director of Engineering at Mozilla in the Women in Tech panel. And I was just wondering, personally, have you had any interactions with them? Oh, yeah. So Patricia, she was actually my manager when I was an intern at Mozilla's. (laughs) So like I caught up with her uh, recently, like before I started and I was catching up with her and because I haven't talked to her for a while, like over a year and a half. And we were just catching up on things. And so during that meetup with her, I asked her if she'll like to come join us for Women Who Code. Uh, and I think that was like the first meetup. It was quite small, actually. It's, mm-hmm. It wasn't like the really big one uh, that Carolina and Leah put together and also Stacy. That one was, was wonderful. And it, it was so well done. It was recorded. But the first one, it was just Patricia. And I think it was like 12 of us. And, and that went really well. And then I think after that meetup, that's when I handed over being co-host to Carolina and Leah. And then so they continued doing sort of this like employer Q&A panel. And and it was really good. Like I attended it. I got a lot of like great advice and and just like inspiration from from that talk. And so, yeah, I I used to work with Patricia and I think it was the first time I met Mayor, actually. I think they worked together. And so it was nice to, to see them in the launch school space and inspiring more women in this field. 
I mean, absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, I haven't been able to um, attend a women's group because it's just a little bit out of my time zone. But the talk yeah. that they gave was so inspirational. And I was like, wow, these are awesome women. And it was just so nice to hear so much good advice. So yeah, that is just, that's cool. <laughs> I just thought I'd ask you just in case that you didn't know them, because I know how big Mozilla is. Um, so your story is actually a unique one in that you didn't do capstone. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how you landed your job at Mozilla. So my journey started before launch school, my journey as in trying to get into software engineering. Um, so previously I started university as a nursing student. So I worked in healthcare and then after working a year in the hospital, it's like, this isn't really for me. And also it, it was really difficult job, like emotionally, mentally, mm -hmm. physically. I just wanted to finish my degree and get my degree in, in something. And so I switched over to geography and hoping that it was something that didn't have anything to do with programming or mathematics. Um, but then in my last year, I, I had to take calculus to get my degree mm -hmm. and I I barely passed that course but then I fell in love with with algebra and calculus and I wanted to do more of it and so I graduated with my geography degree and then I worked in this field called geographic information systems so it's like digital mapping and I did mm -hmm. a bit of like python programming in my job some SQL and I was sort of contemplating doing a CS degree. And so that's kind of how it started. And actually my coworkers in my first job was telling me like, Mandy, you know, if you want to do this, do this now, because I'm <laughs> in my mid thirties and I have kids. And so do it before, you know, you're, you're my age. And so right. I got a, a bit of motivation from that. And so I just made the leap. Like I didn't work full-time for that long in GIS. And so I started a CS degree, I think in 2017, mm -hmm. but it was really challenging. So challenging as in, I couldn't actually get into the degree because I remember talking to the professor, like in the department of computer science, and I wasn't like, I didn't have the qualifications to enroll. And I remember feeling really like devastated by that because mm -hmm. I know I, I didn't take like 12th grade algebra and calculus. And so I was missing some prerequisites. And, but I didn't allow that to stop me. I, I remember feeling a lot of despair from that, but I was like, you know, I'm still going to take these CS courses. I'll just not enroll in the degree, but I'll just take the courses individually <laughs> as a post degree student. And so I did that. And and I learned, I studied high school math. I took those courses through like Khan Academy and got better in algebra. And I had a lot of supportive friends who, who were really excited for me. Like a lot of my friends are in, in engineering and my boyfriend, he was doing physics at the time. And so they helped me a lot too. Mm -hmm. And, and so I did my first year of CS as a post degree student. <laughs> and then I took those courses and transferred them. I actually enrolled in software engineering in another university and got in. And so that's kind of how my journey started. And so when I was a CS student, like, I felt like I was getting 
better at mathematics and in that realm, but then I didn't really get better in software engineering in the industry. So Mm -hmm. there was like kind of that gap there. And I know this is like a long-winded story, but I, I try to like get to like how I ended up at Mozilla. And so, so like there was this like gap in in like this the industry programming skills, right? And so I actually started to do more research and like, well, how do I close this gap? Um, is it through internships? And and I I couldn't really like get an internship that I wanted because like the interviews were, were pretty difficult and I knew, yeah. you know, algebra, but I couldn't really solve like the programming problems. And so I enrolled in a, a boot camp uh, in Toronto, like to kind of close that gap of knowledge because they were teaching like the latest frameworks and so on and so forth. And so actually through that boot camp, it was actually how I discovered a launch school because they were using some launch schools, uh, open source books for their material. Hey. And yeah, yeah. And so it was sort of like I, I was going through this journey and then I was like, eventually, like I found Launch School. And so I, I was doing like one internship. I remember it, I was back end uh, intern doing Rails, Ruby, and I was taking some of Launch School's, like reading some of Launch School's book. It was really helping me. And then I enrolled in launch school. I, I started taking 101. And then this is at the time when I I started my internship at Mozilla. And mm. so I was on the performance team. It wasn't in Ruby. So this job was in C++. But because mm. of the material that launch school taught, like, like the fundamentals of variable scope and pass by value, pass by reference, like these really important topics, it helped me learn C++ really, really fast. Wow. And yeah. And it just like these concepts are transferable. And so I I continue like kind of juggling the internship of Mozilla and then and then also launch school. But I had to pause launch school for a while because the internship was like a full-time job. Mm-hmm. But then after I was done the four months of internship, I just continued with launch school because I f- felt like it brought so much value to me uh, as a programmer. And really, like, as I progressed through the courses of Launch School, every course, I recognized the topics, the same topics at work. And so it was closing those gaps, like those missing gaps. And there were so many aha moments. And every course of Launch School, I just like, wow, like, I wish I knew this at work, <laughs> right? And so, yeah, so like, that's kind of how, I ended up law school and I was actually like preparing to do capstone when I was in 230. So 230 is like the last course of, of core. I, I did the Ruby track. And it was at that time where I was finishing 230. Uh, I had a group of friends I wanted to do capstone with. And then at the same time, this job opportunity came up at Mozilla. Like they were hiring and my previous mentor, Mozilla, reached out to me as well as Patricia. Mm-hmm. And so it seemed like a good opportunity. And I applied for two teams there and I was in a really good position. Like both of the teams wanted uh, to give me an offer. And wow. so I accepted. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it was like kind of intense because I didn't like I was like, maybe 
what if I don't get this? And then I'm going to be behind in capstone prep. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, and so I was trying to like balance the two. I was like studying at launch school and then studying for my interview at the same time. Um, <laughs> that so, is so but, awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it, it worked out. Um, and I, I started at Mozilla in, in November. And yeah, it, it was like, a lot of pressure like those two weeks because yeah. of balancing the interview and launchable but I got a lot of support from um, my friends here in the launchable community and also I got a lot of support from Chris uh, yeah. Chris helped me through the interview process um, and and yeah I feel really grateful for for all of that yeah, that, that is such an amazing story. And I can appreciate why you wanted to tell your whole story because there was a lot of lead up to actually getting an internship. It was it was nothing to do with launch school. It was to do with your computer science degree. Um, that's right. Yeah. yeah? And, and also, like, now that I've finished launch school, I'm a completely different programmer. I'm, like, so much better. Like, at... It, I finished my internship, you know, I was at, you know, this state, but then I did like two years of launch. Well, I'm just like, I'm a lot more technical. Like my problem solving skills are, yeah. are like bang on. And, and I remember the problems I used to solve as an intern. And now I'm a full time. I'm like, you know, I, the struggles I had as an intern, I don't struggle with those same problems anymore. It's like, I, I can do a lot more now with like the training I've had at launch school. That is so reassuring and it's so good news to hear because there it is, that that sort of like, here it is, hearing it from the industry itself. You were interning and then, you know, when you went to launch school and you 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 got the fundamentals down, it's just like now you can see that the problems that you were solving as an intern and now how, how relevant they were at launch school. And I guess sometimes when you started with launch school, you don't always understand like how that comes together. Like, is this relevant? Is this going to be useful for me? But it is good to hear from you that it, it is. And um, these were the types of problems that you were solving now and as an intern. So thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that story. Yeah, it's it's difficult to kind of make that connection when, like, if you're a career transitioner and you haven't yeah. worked in the tech industry before. Yes, yes. So like, so like maybe... I know in the Ruby track, like they teach Sinatra, like that framework, but at work, maybe you're not using Sinatra, but like the, mm-hmm. the same concepts apply. It's mm-hmm. just a different framework. And so I think Logical does an extremely good job at in drilling those fundamental concepts down. So it doesn't matter if you're using a different language, it doesn't matter if you're using different framework, like you understand the underlying problem you're solving as an engineer. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I fully remember actually when you were helping me out with my interview and you were just giving me these little tips and I was just like, oh, that makes so much sense. And like, I now um, share your teachings with everybody. <laughs> just let me hear it out. I was like, this is Mandy's framework. She is awesome. Please use this. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that it was helpful. I, I don't even remember what I said, but I'm happy to hear that I was able to help. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. It's so good to to hear your experiences so far. So just moving more into launch school, from your time as a student and as a TA at launch school, what has helped you in your job the most so far? Yeah, so surprisingly, I feel like, like I know launch school is school to teach software engineering and the technical aspects, but I feel for me personally, 
it wasn't like the core curriculum that helped me the most. I think it was like the community and having opportunity to be a TA because mm-hmm. I remember when I first joined law school, I was really shy. Like I mm-hmm. didn't want to post anything on Slack. And it was like when I met students, like I wouldn't even turn my camera on and I just like didn't really talk to a lot of people. But I think law school gave me a lot of opportunities to present my ideas in front of others Mm -hmm. and to share my learnings and to help other people and also hear feedback, give feedback to others and, Mm -hmm. and actively listen to students and just like not being afraid of be like looking dumb, like when I ask you a question, because launch school is like a safe place. Right. And I, I remember even when I was a TA, I would encourage my students to they try to make as many mistakes as possible, you know, in our study sessions, like there's no judgment. Um, and the more mistakes you make, the faster your learning process is going to be. And so I think law school really provided this safe and encouraging environment to ask questions and to learn. And I think that was like, the best thing for me that I got out of law school like the community the people (laughs) and the support (laughs) I really it's really nice to hear that because I don't know if you heard Felicia's talk with Carolina but actually she often mentions you in most of her um, video blogs that she does that she says that you helped her when she was really down and I can see how paying it forward would be able to build your own confidence in yourself and I, I know it has for me when I, whenever I've done that, because I was shy too. And I, and I didn't really want to post either on Slack chat because I was just afraid that I would come off across as, I don't know, somebody that didn't know things. So uh, the very fact that you have touched so many lives here is just, it's wonderful. And I can see why community has been so important to you. And now it has helped you in your own job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I just wanted to add a little bit to what you said about Felicia, because I I do remember she was one of the first friends I made here at law school. And I I definitely remember my conversations with her and our study sessions together. And I definitely felt the same anxieties that she had felt. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe like two years earlier in my first like computer science class, Mm -hmm. and remember like, I just didn't get it. It was so abstract. And I felt like I wasn't cut out for this. Like maybe I'm just not meant like meant to be, um, to be in this field, but it wasn't that It, it just like normal to not get it. You just have to work at that practice. Eventually, like time goes by more practice improvement, make mistakes, learn from your mistakes, then you're going to be natural at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember like my first study session, Catherine was a TA and, and I live coded in front of her and she was like, you're so natural at this, Mandy. And I was like, no, this is practice. <laughs> I'm not natural. at this. <laughs> like you should have seen how I coded two years ago <laughs> in my first CS class. I was terrible. Yeah. But then your story then lifts up others because they're like, oh, if she was there, maybe I can do it too. And mm-hmm. I, that's how I felt. I was just like, oh, she's so graceful and she just solves problems like, like it's so easy and I want to be like that. And yeah, so I, I really appreciate you being able to help so many people, myself included. And thank you for being a part and reaching out to the law school community when you did. Yeah. And I think that's 
the beautiful thing about this field, like software engineering and also like computer science, mathematics, because it's a knowledge field and you can always improve and get better. Mm -hmm. It's not a field where like, for example, like basketball, I'm not very tall. I'm not going to be six feet tall. And maybe they're always like, there are shorter basketball players too, but it's something that you can't work at and become taller because that's a genetic thing. Like it's a physical thing. You can't really change, but with programming, math, computer science, it's something you can learn and get better at over time. Definitely. Definitely. I'm not sure if everybody has that mindset because it is something to kind of wrap your head around. I think some people, at least for me, when I first got into this, I thought to myself that you either had to be good at it or you weren't. But I know that that's a myth and that the more that you practice, the better that you do get at it. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So beautifully said, Karis. I really love that. Thank you. So I don't know if you answered this next question, but I wanted to know if there was anything that you missed about launch school um aside from the community yeah of of course like I I definitely I I miss my friends so some of my friends are in capstone now (laughs) (laughs) I I haven't really like messaged them that much because I know they're super busy but I will be there for their presentation um I have it booked on my calendar (laughs) and uh, I I miss the students and learning the community here I, I just find there's so many students here that are curious and ambitious mm. and they have a drive to really understand like have an understanding for themselves it's like if, if people don't understand it like students are like okay wait I didn't quite get that yet Let, let's try again right and and I love that like I love this uh, I love and I miss this community of learners. There's no place quite like it. <laughs> no place quite like logical. <laughs> I fully agree. I mean, I've done quite a bit of my own study and over the years and studying in many different courses, many different places. And there is nothing quite like this. I agree with you. It's just mm-hmm. there's something about this community. I was mentioning this with Kelly as well last time that it just brings a certain kind of person that is, as you said, curious. And, and but also just very friendly and very wanting to help. And I, I really love that. So my last question for you is that you're officially a woman in the tech industry. And I was just wondering if you had any advice for other women entering the workforce. I'm not sure if this is relevant because I don't know if it's been, not been enough time, but I just thought I'd ask you anyway. Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, I can speak about that based on my perspective as a Mm -hmm. woman. And I think like it may resonate with other people too, whether you're a man or non-binary. And for me, like as a woman, I think culturally and in society, there are like certain roles that, you know, society kind of puts us into. Um, And so I think the advice I would have is just, if you want to do something, don't give up and and go for it. And it's okay to make mistakes and to learn from them and, and just keep showing up and, and doing it. And maybe sometimes people might tell you you can't do something, but don't let that deter you either. Yeah. I also wanted to say that I I think sometimes 
we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have something done really, really well. Yeah. <laughs> but it's okay to be wrong. And it's mm-hmm. okay to have bad ideas. Sometimes, you know, sometimes these bad ideas pave the way and give inspiration to really good ideas. And so don't be afraid, like give your ideas, whether they're good or bad, give your perspective, because we need more perspectives in engineering to build a better world for everybody, Um, to build a better world that will serve people like us and people who are similar like us. Yeah. Wow. That's that's really great advice. And I kind of needed to hear that now because even for me, like, I'm not sure if a lot of people at launch school feel this way, but yeah, I can be very hard on myself and, and, you know, sometimes a bit perfectionistic or something. And, but you're right. It is okay to get things wrong sometimes. And that's part of the learning process. And you're right. We do need many kinds of people and bringing many different types of perspectives. So yeah, thank you for that. But that is it, actually. That is all my questions that I had for you today. And thank you so much for taking the time to stop by to do this uh, interview with me. And once again, congratulations on your new job. And I'm just wishing you all the best at Mozilla. Uh, Thank you so much. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much, Karis. I really enjoyed our time together in this interview. And I loved all your questions. They were so thoughtful. You're so welcome. And it was just really nice to catch up with you again. And being the co-host from last season, it's it's really nice to be able to hear your story. So thanks for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I just want to add, like, you're doing a fantastic job with the podcast. Because, oh, thank like, you. I don't, I was a podcast host before. Honestly, like, I've never done podcasts. And, and, and like, you know, I, I just think, like, the the style of podcast you're doing it's like so structured and there's all these great topics I listened to the first one with you and Chris and Callie and I was like wow like there's all this all these new things going on in law school like I can't believe what like five months has passed already it it was it was a joy to listen to and to hear what everyone's been up to oh great thank you so much (laughs) for putting it together that is so good to hear (laughs) thank you thank you so much for that I I really appreciate that but other than that I hope you have a a a wonderful time at Mozilla and I'm wishing you all the best thank you so much Karis okay take care take care bye bye So it was great catching up with Mandy, especially because we spoke to Callie last episode and I found it so interesting to hear what our last podcast host had to say and where they are now in their software journey. I hope you found Mandy's advice helpful. I know I sure did. (laughs) And last but not least, we move into some quick reminders and we have a few announcements to make. So care to share the first one, Chris? Yeah, sure. The first quick reminder is that we have some new practice problems out. Uh, for RB109 and JS109. So these are just new practice problems. If you're in 101, you don't have to do anything. Uh, when you get to the assessment, you will see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you, if you're beyond 109, obviously you don't have to worry about it, but uh, we released five new practice problems for those assessments. Okay, great. <laughs> also, the introduction to the command line book now has videos accompanying the exercises and they are created by our fabulous TA, Jeannie. So be yeah. sure to have a look at them. <laughs> they are so good. They yes. are so good. I, 
I watched some of them and uh, I, I, she does a great job on them. So next quick reminder is the JS239 interview is deprecated. So the mm-hmm. project is still there. The assessment is still there. So you're still going to do the project, which is good, but we're no longer going to do the interview, but you still have to do a good job on the project and we're still going to look at them great and, you know, per normal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that the final interview is deprecated. Yes. And that starts right now. It's April 11th on, on this recording. Yeah. So it starts today. Great. Also, you can now sign up to our new peer-led seminar beginning May the 4th. And that is hosted by Pete Hansen and myself. And this time the topic is JavaScript testing. So spots are limited. So be sure to get in quick. They're already filling up. Mm, such a good topic. Do you remember the yes. the participate? Do you have to be at a certain place in the curriculum? Yes, I believe that you either have to have already done um, LS215 if you're on the Ruby track, uh, and I think JS175, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Okay. Oh, you're, you're looking for pretty advanced people then. Okay. Yes. Yes. Good. Next quick reminder. So it's that time again, capstone presentations. So this is these are always good. Yes. Uh, that's coming up this week. So again, depending on when we get this podcast released, but right now it's the 11th. Mm-hmm. QMantis and Artemis are going to present on the 13th. Waypost will present on the 15th. And Haifa will also present on the 15th. Mm-hmm. Check the events tab or the uh, events link on the sidebar on uh, launchable.com. We've also been posting them on Reddit. If you're active in our Reddit community, I believe it's just reddit.com slash r slash launchable. Yes. And we'll also put it in the show notes just in case. And also the Spots Gather Town has launched. So this was a little while ago, but I just thought I'd mention it here. It is an awesome student-led virtual study space created by Spot moderator Marcos. So Chris, you recently conducted some office hours at Gather Town. How was it? Oh yeah, it was just today, kind of ad hoc. It was awesome. I'm really, really enjoying Gather Town. I think I'm going to start doing more of them in the future because a lot of people pay me for like one-on-one meetings. Yeah, and it's really hard to have them scattered throughout the day. So I'm, I think I'm going to have like scheduled office hours where anyone can just stop by for like one-on-one chats. And okay, you can sort of see like if there's you know somebody in there, you just kind of wait outside, and if you know I'm in there by myself, you just kind of walk in like a real office. It's really great. And oh, cool. I'm really liking gather time like today i hopped in there and i was walking around and i literally bumped into carolina she goes hey what are you doing here i'm like what are you doing here it was awesome and you know you don't bump into people in slack yeah you know? no so i'm like i'm going to my office that marco's created for me <laughs> like oh really how cool is that <laughs> it was it was a it was kind of one of those surreal moments i'm like yeah we're in a metaverse now <laughs> yeah huh. wow um so details about that will be in the show notes, but you can also find out more by jumping onto Slack's spot channel. We also have the next women's group meetup, which is on the 24th of April. So that's another one that's come out. And the last reminder is from the last episode, but I'll say it again. So for future podcast episodes, we'll be answering your questions on air. So if you have any questions about anything Lodge School related, whether it be our prep course, core, capstone, and beyond, please fill out our form in the show notes and your question could be answered in our next episode. And we may not be able to get your question answered right away, but that's because we want to group questions by topic, but rest assured they will get answered. And that's it for today's show. Be sure to keep an ear out for the next one. Is there anything that you'd like to add, Chris, before we head out? No, I think that's it. I think I maybe just want to throw out the, the URL for uh, re- requests yeah. uh, for the podcast. So it's launchable.com slash podcast dash requests. 
Yes. So easy to remember URL. But yeah, this is awesome. Thanks for hosting uh, another episode and and hopefully this conversation is is interesting and useful. And again, give us feedback. You know, I'm happy to change up the tone or whatever, but otherwise I'm just reacting to questions. And if that continues to be helpful and fun, we'll continue to do it that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the interview that I had with Mandy, she does actually say that she absolutely loves it for, especially for alumni, because they always want to hear where is Launch School right now? And she just said it was so mm. just a really great format. So I was like, that is also awesome to hear. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll be like those uh, shows where we have to come up with like little gimmicks or something to keep the attention, you know. Uh, but yeah, right now, I think just reporting what's happening is okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fair enough. So everything we mentioned today can be found in the show notes on podcast.launchschool.com. And um, yeah, that's it. As Chris mentioned, if you have an idea for an interview or anything podcast related, you can now reach out to us at our new URL, which is launchschool.com forward slash podcast hyphen requests. And that's it from me. Yeah. Bye. Have a good day.